Matthew chapter number 16, and really the last few verses of the chapters are text here this morning. Matthew 16, beginning in verse number 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what, uh, for what is it uh, as a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be, uh, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I'll be honest, I had never heard of a missions month until we decided to have one. And uh, Heath Hogue, the pastor down at Grand Prairie, mentioned him earlier. He messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, that's what we do. And then I was uh, eating lunch with some uh, preachers after one of the fellowship meetings. And, and, and I was telling them, I said, well, how are things going in church? I said, oh, man, we're having missions month. And he said, that's what we do. I'm like, well, why didn't anybody tell me about this? Uh, they're so nice, you know, some people. I, I don't know if I can describe the past few weeks uh, very well. Uh, I like to think I'm good with words, but I, words just escape me on this. I, I've enjoyed these past weeks immensely. I know we're not done yet. Uh, I've been challenged and stirred for the great needs around us. I've been so encouraged also by the response of our church and and. I, I'll be honest, I, it kind of overwhelmed me, kind of kind of threw me into a little bit of a, a, a funk, I don't know what's a better word for it. I'll be honest, it's like, man, it's going too good. It kind of scared me a little bit. Um, I hope that having a month-long missions emphasis would be good, and every ex- expectation I had has been exceeded. Jared Blair kicked us off, shared with us their burden going to Norway, and I mean, they're just getting started, but... Boy, that was uh, tremendous, exciting to see what the Lord has in store for them. My dad spoke in Sunday school. I heard he did okay on that. Scott Griffin came, and he's always wonderful. Uh, I tell you what, if you left here without some tears, and if you left here with any money in your billfold, I don't know what was wrong with you when he came and and, uh, presented what they were doing uh, down there with Homeless No More. Just tremendous things. Uh, Jason Mann spoke in Sunday School on Mother's Day. did a great lesson on Samuel and his mother. It was really good. Brian Combe came by 10 years in Thailand. He's about to go start a new work. Boy, that was a tremendous hearing about him. Matthew Reisinger presented in Sunday School just this past week. And I'll tell you what, he's just getting started. I think we were only the second or third church he's presented at. He did tremendous. Uh, it was a, that was a blessing. Uh, Lee Davis was here last Wednesday, and I tell you what, I'm excited about the, what the Lord's got opening for him, opening the door up to uh, start a new church over in the Argyle area. And this morning, Bill Adams spoke in Sunday school, we'll leave it at that. And then this Wednesday, uh, Brother Anil Javid, I, I hope I'm saying his name right, I'm hoping getting close, uh, but there, he's, a, he's from Pakistan, going back to Pakistan as a missionary, and, and I don't think you want to miss everybody. Heath Hogue, Jason Mann, the people that know him have told me, oh, you are, you really need to hear this guy. So looking forward to having him here with us. Then you've had to put up with me preaching each week on missions. We, we saw the purpose of missions in Acts 1. 
that missions continues the work of Christ, that missions calls the nations to prepare, that it completes the Christian cycle, that somebody gets saved, they get baptized, they get trained, they share the gospel, that person gets baptized and trained, and they share the gospel, and it just it keeps the cycle going. We saw the people of missions in John chapter number 4, the captives that are bound in their sin, the Christ who is the answer to their needs, the called who must go and carry the gospel of Christ to the lost. We saw the church that's the teamwork that's needed for missions. Last week we saw the prayer of missions in Matthew 9, the actions of our Lord, how He went to every village and preached and worked the miracles trying to reach the lost, the affection for the lost, how Christ had that, that, that was, was so broken-hearted at seeing the condition of the people at the work that still needed to be done. The appeal for laborers. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The great need that requires a great response. And we saw the answer for the Lord, how right there you go to the next chapter and the very people, he said, hey, y'all need to pray for more laborers. He said, oh, by the way, I'm sending you out to be, go preach. <laughs> God answered the prayer through them. Today I want to look at the price of missions. And I tell you, on Memorial Day weekend, that's something already on our mind. Those that have paid the price, who've laid down their lives, who have laid aside comforts and, and personal gain and fame to serve a greater cause. And it, uh, while we look at those who have done so for our nation, it's not that big a stretch to see those who have done, some, done so for the kingdom of God. There is a price to everything that we do. Sometimes it's monetary. You want a house? You better be prepared to make a mortgage payment or to pay rent. Want a new car? Uh, yeah, uh, don't ask me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's, a, there's a payment book that comes with that. Sometimes it's physical. You want to go on a hike? You're going to come back and you're going to be wore out. and may have to be in the emergency room by the time you get done. But it's often neglected in our day. We like to say, boy, serving God, oh, everything's wonderful, you serve God. But I'm going to tell you, serving God has a price too. There is a price to serving God. Some, someone may respond, well, but Jesus paid it all. Yes, and all to him I owe. He did. Uh, but what Jesus paid there, that, that, that's our, for our salvation. That's not our service. That's a response for our salvation. Nothing I can do can buy a single second of eternal life or atone for a single sin. Thank God Jesus did pay it all for that. But the next line is, all to Him I owe. That's the service, the surrender, the sacrifice that is the proper response to what Christ did for us. Yes, there's a price to serving Christ. It will cost you your self-will. You always get to do what you want to do. It will cost you your pride. It requires some humility. It will often cost you friends and family. I was, when I was studying, I saw an outline uh, on, online that said this, that there's a purpose of missions. In Matthew 28, 19, it said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. They said there's a promise of missions in Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. But there's a price for missions in Matthew 24, 9. It says, Ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You won't win any popularity contest today by standing on the Word of God. Yes, there's a price to serving God. That's what's highlighted in our text. I could have chosen a number of different texts this morning. This is the theme I wanted to speak on. But that single verse there 
verse 24 is amazing. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If there's a choice. It's a conditional statement there. If. If you want to do this, here's what it's going to take. Any man. That's anyone. Any person. Your heart's beating. God can use you. Will. That's purpose and desire. It's not an accident. You don't just accidentally do it, but you decide to and you stick to it. Come. That's not to sit still. It's going to take some effort. You don't have to go from where you are to where He wants you to be. It says, come after Me. That's a specific direction and goal. It's to be like Christ to serve Him. And this says, let Him. There's a personal requirement right here. It says, if you want to do that, here's what you have to do. Deny Himself. The humbling, the abasement of self-will, self-glory. We deny our own glory for His. And take up. That's a conscious... I've got a water bottle up here and they didn't have our regular brand this morning so or, or yesterday I was by there so it's different. That's why they, they were out of Ozarka. But if that bottle's right there, I'm not just going to accidentally pick that thing up. I'm going to decide, hey, I want to drink. I'm going to pick it up. Well, that's what we have to do with the cross. We pick it up. We take it up. There's a conscious choice to do so. And I want you to notice there it says, His not Christ's cross, it's your cross. It's personal. Not like everybody else's. Yours is different. Everybody has their cross to bear. And then it's a cross. Now today we glory in the cross, but you have to think about where this was. And this is pre-crucifixion. There's no, there's no glory to the cross at all. This was the Roman form of execution. The worst. There was so much shame in this. You were being made a public example uh, there's stories you read in Roman history. I know it was after one of the great slave revolts. They said the, the Appian Way there in Italy was lined with crosses where they crucified these slaves and they would stay up there for days until they died. And it was just a warning as you walk by, don't rebel against Rome. And there's an element to that with with crucifixion there in, in, in Israel. I don't have time to get into all that. But it's an instrument of death. It's an instrument of shame. And then, and, there's not just enough just to pick up the cross, but then you have to follow me. That's a follow after Christ. You unpack this verse, there's a lot being said right here. But I want you to think about this. He says, his cross. We sometimes talk about carrying the cross of Christ. I, I remember uh, hearing a sermon one time, and, and the preacher actually got a cross kind of like that one. And he, he had it, and he was carrying it around on the platform and he said you know you can't carry this thing and go certain places and uh, you know it was, a, it was a neat sermon but this isn't talking about carrying the cross of Christ this is uh, this is something that's it's personal to us if you remember the crucifixion of Christ how he was made to carry the cross what they call the Via Dolorosa the way of suffering you know the song uh, as, as he carried that through there uh, from the judgment hall onto uh, Mount Calvary, how Simon of Cyrene had to help him there. But it was um, that was a march of shame, public identification of the condemned and their crimes. We are called to carry our crosses through this world. It's not a pleasant thing to do. The burden is great. 
I saw there's a guy that I know that uh, like carried across all around America, and he's actually got little wheels on the back of his, so it makes it a little bit easier. He cheats a little bit, but um, anyway, uh, but but the burden's great. The multitudes around us will look at you and say, "What are you doing? This is crazy. Why do you have that cross? Why why not just throw? Why not live your life? Why not enjoy things? Why not just live it up? Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die." Why not live that way like everybody around you is? But that is the price of serving God. The humbling of self, the living sacrifice of our life. I want to look at the price of serving God in the work of missions. and uh, I've got three things. There's actually many if you want to look at it. But I've got three things I want to highlight here this morning. Some of it will repeat some of the things that have already been said here. But I've got these three things three prices that must be paid for the work of missions to succeed. First off, there's the price of the cent. The price of the cent. That's the only time I hear that when I hit yes. <laughs> Move it over a little bit. Often when missionaries come by, they, they put on a good front. They, they want you to, they want to look like, hey, man, we, everything's under control. We're serving God. Things are great. Uh, but I'm going to tell you, there is a steep price to serve God as a missionary. Separation from family and loved ones to be a part. How many of you would like your grandkids to be half the world away? Fears for safety, for support, being in parts of the world where things could happen like in Papua New Guinea. Places in this world where there could be an uprising, there could be a number of things. Uh, but you would say, back, well, I don't know, some places are safer in America nowadays. But, but you look at that and you, and you say, well, my goodness, why would they want to go there? Concern for raising a family on foreign soil. Loneliness, despair, depression, all those can be companions to the missionary. Uh, I know missionaries today uh, that... Uh, I have to come off the field for a little while because the price, the, the toll on their children was just too great. They had to come back for the sake of their kids. It, there is a tremendous, tremendous price to be paid. And we can joke about some of it. I'll never forget Jason Mann coming up here and talking about things. And he said, what do you miss most? And he said, ranch dressing. You know, you get over there and there's certain things, certain luxuries you can't get. I can't remember the kind of cereal that Brother Stewart talked about that you, you couldn't get over there. Uh, but but all these things like we take for granted, uh, I'm not talking about silly little things like that. I mean, these are some heavy, heavy burdens to carry. I want to share a couple of stories with you to illustrate it. William Borden was born in 1887 into a wealthy family. Now, I'd always heard that that was a dairy family, the Borden's Dairy, uh, but it actually is not. See, happens when you research the things you hear, you find out that they're not exactly right. Actually, his family uh, had made a fortune in silver mining in Colorado. So, but anyway, they were very wealthy. At age 16, he graduated uh, high school, and his parents gave him a trip around the world for his uh, graduation present. Wouldn't that be nice, you know? And, and they sent him around the world. And on that trip, he became burdened for the, uh, for, for the great need he saw. Came back, he was trained, he went to Yale in 1909. In fact, the book written about him was called Borden of Yale. There's no book called, titled that. He went to Princeton Theological Cemetery, Sem, Seminary. It's a cemetery now, seminary now. Uh, then 1912, it wasn't as bad then. 
he was approved. He worked with the China Inland Mission. In fact, was a board on the like the board of directors uh, for that that Hudson Taylor started. And um, he was approved to be a missionary to the Uyghur Muslims in northwestern China. They're actually still in the news today. China's been doing stuff with them. In fact, I know a missionary that's actually been trying to do some work with them. But the Uyghur people there in China. To prepare, in 1913, he, he went to Cairo, Egypt, to learn about the Islamic religion, to learn the Arabic language so he could go and, 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 and work among those people in China. But in March 1913, he contracted cerebral meningitis and died shortly thereafter in April. In his will, by the way, he left $800,000, and you think about that was over a century ago. That was a lot of money then. It's a lot of money now. $800,000 to the China Inland Mission. Was the price of serving God, of rejecting a life that could have been wealth and comfort, was it worth it? Well, the story is told that after he died, his mother actually had just arrived to visit him, and she got his Bible and opened it up, and Inside were written these words, no reserve, no retreat, no regrets. I think that was his dying testimony that it was worth it. Now think about the price missionaries pay. The name that comes to my mind is Adoniram Judson. Uh, his, the book on him, On the Golden Shore. Was it On the Golden Shore to the Golden Shore? I can't remember the name of it. Fantastic book. I've got a copy of it. It's one of the best missionary biographies you'll ever read. It's been about 20 years since I read it, but it's still, it's a good one. Judson was born in 1788, uh, actually in a preacher's home, Congregationalist minister. He was actually like 20 before he got saved. He got off, he had a friend that was big in like the French philosophers and deism and things, and he actually, he was like an agnostic until his friend died. There's actually a very dramatic story about that. But he finally accepted Christ around 1808. 1812, he left America for India. He actually left, he got on the boat as a Congregationalist missionary. As he got on the boat and he's sailing over to India, he knows he's going to meet William Carey, the famous Baptist uh, father of modern missions, famous, famous missionary. So he said, I've got to be ready to, to defend my views on baptism because uh, they believe you can baptize babies and things like that. He said, i got to be prepared. So on that trip, he's studying, and you know what he does? He left a Congregationalist. He arrived in India a Baptist. He actually changed his views uh, and, 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 and took up believers' baptism. Um, and, and what's funny is a co-worker, Luther Rice, who was on a different ship, did the exact same thing. They were both so scared when they got to India, like, oh, no, the other guy's going to hate me now. They both come off. They both had, had converted to being Baptist. It's a great thing. Anyway. He went to Burma in 1815. Four years later, it took him four years to baptize his first convert. In ten years, he had a church of 18 believers. Well, that's... A lot of churches probably cut their support for doing that. But the whole time, he's putting together a dictionary. He's translated a lot of great things he's doing. But it was long, hard work. War broke out in 1824 before the Burme, uh, between the Burmese people and the British. And... As part of that, Judson, being a foreigner, was in prison. Horrible conditions for most of that war. Um, it's a miracle he survived. A lot of people didn't. 
he just gets out of that, and his first wife, Anne, or let's call her Nancy too, but she died, 1826. He began working among the Karen people, a lot of great success there. He married a missionary widow named Sarah Boardman, 1835. She died in 1845, uh, sailing back to America for health. Marries a third time in 1846 uh, to Emily Chubbuck. And uh, you read his life, though, and there's a lot of tremendous things. He was a trailblazer. Um, but the stories told in the months after his first wife died, after he had been imprisoned and, and after his health is broken, that uh, he was overwhelmed by depression. And the stories told that he actually went out beside his hut and he dug his own grave. And he would sit there in a chair and stare at that grave and just contemplating his own mortality and death. I looked it up, and they had, between the three, uh, three wives, he had 13 children, only six of which lived past infancy. A couple were stillborn, a couple didn't live past two. He died at sea in 1850. He was buried at sea. There, there's no uh, tomb or memorial like that to him. May I ask, is it worth the price? All the hardships, the health, the imprisonment, the, the, the children, the wives that he buried... Was it worth it? According to the internet, today if you go over, Burma is now called Myanmar, but if you were to go there today, there actually is a um, Myanmar Baptist Convention, Association of Baptist Churches, and it's just this one association. But in that association, there are over one million members. Over one. From a guy, it took four years to win one person. A guy whose church had 18 people in it. Now you go over there. In fact, they, a while back they said, oh, we need a new translation of the Bible. And the, and the people there said, no, we don't. Judson's is great. It's perfect. We don't need another one. Uh, there's a lot of tremendous history there. He himself said, if I had not felt certain that every additional trial was ordered by infinite love and mercy... I could not have survived my accumulated suffering. He also said, There is no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it is because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it is because someone will succeed after. He asked, Mr. Judson, was it worth it? Yes, yes, it was worth it. There's a price to be paid for those who are sent. And it may not be this side of eternity. But I can tell you, whatever the price is, it's worth it. It's worth it. Second, I want to see the price of the sender. The price of the sender. Often overlooked in Civil War history, it's one of my favorite little Civil War uh, little facts, is uh, they had uh, what were called substitutes. And in March 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed into laws the first conscription act, draft, in American history. And one of the controversial parts of it was allowing people to hire substitutes. And the South had something very similar, too. In fact, it, it, what I read online, just in, digging a little bit back into it, is you could pay somebody to take your place in the draft. And the going rate in the North was about $700, and the South was about 3000 So um, pick that, whatever you want to do with that. Lincoln himself, he was too old for the draft. He wasn't even eligible, yet he hired his own substitute, a 20-year-old man named 
John Summerfield Stapes of Strouds, uh, Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Some protested that act by saying that the war had become a rich man's war and a poor man's fight. But that idea that I can't fight, but I can help make sure somebody is there to fight. I like that. I like that. Not everyone can or should be a missionary. And you can say that about a lot of things. I tell you, there's a lot of folks I don't want singing a special. <laughs> and there's a lot of folks that, listen, you're wonderful folks, but we don't all need to be missionaries. We don't all need to be in the nursery. We don't all need to be cooks. We don't. Everybody's got their role and their talents and their gifts to play and to do in the work of God. But I tell you, everyone can do their part by supporting the work of missions. We can give. These are things we can do is just write a check, put, put some money in the offering. That's one of the easiest things we can do. And how easy is that? We, we spend money, we don't even think about it. You'll go through Brahms, you'll, you don't even think about it. We're, 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 we just spend so much money, we don't, we don't even think about it anymore. Um, but uh, one of the easiest things we do, I think that's the easiest thing we do. We can, we can give our time. We can go. We can be, go on a mission trip. We can volunteer. We can help. We, there's things we can do. We can give supplies. Uh, the, the, the medical missionaries, uh, Brother Yates' dad. In fact, I've still got that stuff. I need to get to him. I was telling him that I saw him a few days ago. Um, but we, we can get supplies to them, to the, the stuff for uh, Brother Griffin, the homeless. Uh, there's so many things. You can give, give things. We can pray. That won't even cost you a dime. Cost you some time, it may cost you some tears. Actually, that's the most important thing you can do. And then we can go. We said go on a missions trip. We we can we may not can go to Papua New Guinea or or uh, these places across across the globe, but we can go across the street. We can go to our neighbors. We can do something. There is a price of the sender. And the last, the third thing I want us to remember is the price of the Savior. The price of the Savior. Here's the most important thing to consider. Who paid the greatest price for, of all for missions? I told you some stories. I, I'd say William Borden, he paid a price. I'd say the Adoniram Judson, he paid a price. William Carey, he paid a price. Anybody that goes to the missionary field, they pay a price. How about those that support missions? I, I can introduce you to people. Well, one of them passed away recently, but I know of people that have given millions, literally millions to missionaries. Amazing things. But who gave the most? Well, whatever we do, it is nothing compared to what Christ has already paid. John the Baptist heralded Christ's mission by saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Not just for the Jews, and by the way, not just for the Americans, but for all people, all languages, all skin tones, all strata of society, for all the world. First John 2.2 2, And He, Christ, is the propitiation for our sins, the payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's no one that that Gospel offered is not good for. Hebrews 2 9, the last part of it says, talking about, it says that he by the grace of God, that's talking about Christ, should taste death for not some people, not just the pretty people, not just the rich people, 
not just the Texans, even the Oklahomans in there, okay? For every man. He tastes death for every man. And then John 3.16, For God so loved the world. Who is that? That's everybody. That's everything that every, every, every man, woman, child that draws a breath. Everyone that has a heartbeat. Christ died for them. God so loved them that Christ came and died for them. Think about what He did. The agony of the cross. The shame. The, the, the mockery. The beating He went through before they ever put a nail in Him. And the extreme physical suffering He went through. I've read the doctor's accounts and it's just horrible what uh, crucifixion would do to a human body. It is one of the worst forms of execution. But beyond that, that He took the burden, the weight of all our sins on His back while He was hanging there. My friends, anything we pay is nothing compared to what Christ has already paid. The hymn we skipped the last congregational song was going to be When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I think it is my favorite. I think it's my favorite. I got a lot of them I like, but I usually say that one's my favorite. And it wonderfully describes what I'm trying to say here. Here's the original five verses. There's only four in our books. Here's the original five verses. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most I sacrifice them to His blood. See from His head, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? His dying crimson like a robe spreads o'er His body on the tree. Then am I dead to all the globe and all the globe is dead to me. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Thank God for those who are willing to pay the price to reach the lost. For those who are willing to heed the call, to hear it, to follow, to put in the time, to train. That's a big deal. you got to train. To go out, go through the gauntlet that it is to raise support and to get out there on the field. Those that stick with it, I know a lot of times we get these guys who are just going out there. I was so glad to get, I was glad to have Miss Glover come in. Somebody has been out there. Uh, the, the cones, having them come in, boy, that was tremendous. Uh, these that have been there, that have done it, that are st staying with it. Uh, those who are willing, I'm so thankful. Those who are willing to pay the price to go, those who are willing to pay the price to support them. I'll tell you again, we should do all we can to support those who are willing to go. I told you in Sunday school, you can't do enough for a missionary. You cannot do enough for a missionary. Last, I want to ask, has the price been paid for you? We talk about the atonement and how Christ died. and What is that good for? Well, Scripture's pretty clear. I read you the verses. It's good for the whole world. The offer stands there, but it still has to be personally applied. The offer's good. The blood is so powerful that every sin 
of every man, woman, child that ever lived could be paid for. But we have to still come to Him to have our record. Our record is not automatically wiped clean. No, we have to come to Him in faith for that blood to be applied. Has that happened for you this morning? Do you know Him? What a shame it would be for a person in Africa to die and not hear it, to not know it, to not accept it, but what a greater shame would it be for right here in the shadow of a church and the Bible Belt to have someone die without knowing, to have someone reject the light that shines so brightly here. Don't delay. As the musicians come, I didn't forget y'all, as they come, I never do this. Y'all know me when it comes to the invitations. I like to get out of the way. I'm not one to stand up here and, and keep talking or try to pressure anyone. That's, that's not really my style. I, I want the sermon to do the speaking, the Holy Spirit to do the speaking. But right now, I'm going to ask, if you would, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I've got three questions I want to ask. And if you would, just respond with raising your hand. I don't want anybody looking around. Just between you and God. Have you been stirred for missions this month? Have you been stirred for missions this month? If you can say, my heart has been stirred. Would you would you raise your hand up? I, I think we've had a great, great month and I'm looking forward to wrapping that up strong. Second, I want to ask, if you've been stirred for missions this month, have you been stirred to do more, to give more, to be pray more, to do more for missions. If you say, I've been stirred to do more, if you raise your hand, thank you for that. Most importantly, I'm going to ask this last question. Do you know Christ? You say, I know Him. My sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. If you can say that, would you raise your hand for me? All right. I'm pretty sure that's just about everybody in here. That's the most important question we can ask is to know him. Don't leave here without knowing that. If you'll look up at me now, we'll have the invitation song. What number there? 285. 285. Good one. 285. That's our theme. Wherever he leads, I'll go. If you'll stand, we'll have a time of invitation after I offer a prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we gather together and we have had such a tremendous few weeks here talking about missions and been so good to have our our guests come in and uh, Lord, what a blessing it was to have Miss Glover in uh, that really touched my heart seeing uh, what she's involved with getting uh, getting the Bible translation out there to people who don't, don't even have it Lord just, uh, just my heart's been so stirred I, I want to be able to do more personally as a church and I'm so excited to see our church get excited to have that burden that care and the concern and Lord, as we, we just continue just ramping up and doing more, it is such a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. Lord, just continue to challenge us. Lord, break our hearts for the subject of missions. Not just around the world, but across the street. And Lord, even in our own hearts. Challenge us, I pray, in this invitation time. Lord, that we be willing to pay the price that we can to help get the gospel to every person we can. Speak to us in this invitation, I pray in my holy name. Amen.